Welcome to another episode of the Journey Podcast. The Journey Podcast is all about sharing the journeys of purpose-driven individuals from all walks of life who are following their passion and fulfilling their purpose in their own unique way. And I'm your host, Risa Kawamoto. I'm doing something slightly different in today's episode, and I'm actually being interviewed by my good friend, John Allen. You might remember John from episode 4, where he shared his own journey. We had so much fun in his episode, we decided to reverse our roles, and he will be taking over the Journey podcast in this episode. In our conversation, I share my childhood experiences and the impact that have had on my adult life. And living and working in the UK as a Japanese woman, and the learnings from my yoga students and coaching clients, and even my secret ambition. I really had so much fun speaking to John and answering all his questions. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Journey Podcast. Uh, you've got a slightly different face with you today because Risa and I decided, uh, as we had so much fun in the first interview, we thought we'd do a reverse. And today I'm going to be interviewing Risa. My name's John Allen. I'm obviously not Risa. I'm an award winning writer, copywriter, digital content manager, and speaker every now and then. Uh, which I hope is why Risa agreed to, you know, do this. So, hello, Risa. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I loved the intro. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, good. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and yeah, I'm I'm feeling much better. I was actually sick last week. I had a cold, um, so I'm just recovering from a cold. And I was really trying to get better for this interview. Actually, so yeah, I was oh. resting for a few days and not doing much, taking medication, herbal tea, all that stuff. Not yeah, oh. drinking lots of warm water. Um, so yeah, I feel much better. Ugh, being sickeningly healthy I need to drink more green tea I drink too much normal well breakfast tea which probably is too much caffeine as you can tell <laughs> but I'm glad yes. you're feeling better <laughs> yes yes my green tea's got caffeine as well so the best yeah. yeah best thing to drink probably is warm water I drink lots of warm water every day so oh, you just make me feel really really unhealthy every time I talk to you <laughs> No, no, I didn't mean to make you feel unhealthy or anything. I, I love green tea as well, but yeah, I would drink it like during the day, not in the evening. But yeah, yeah. green tea is also good, just not too mm. much as everything else, not too much. Yeah, I know. I need to drink less beer at the weekends. I know that for a fact, but I just can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll... Maybe I'll quit one day but um we'll see anyway um thank you very much for agreeing to do this i know it was something we discussed uh before before we even interviewed before you interviewed me if i remember correctly or not uh but i thought it would be a really good opportunity to find out a little bit more about you your background why you're here why you started the podcast i think that's what going to be one of my very first questions and just give people who tune in a little bit more of an overview as to 
who you are, what you're about, what you're hoping to achieve in life. So, I get, yeah, I, I'll share a little bit about why I started the podcast. I actually did the first, very first episode of the Journey podcast was me sharing why I created the Journey podcast. Um, mm. But yeah, a little bit of background, I guess. So uh, this idea came up like earlier this year and that's like probably around the same time I decided to sign up for professional coaching or life coaching training mm. and so I've been yoga teacher for many years since 2014 and I did bit of coaching health coaching bit of business coaching previously but I can't remember like why or how <laughs> <laughs> but like earlier this year no I do remember why sorry <laughs> it's been too long no I do remember why I decided specifically to actually sign up and enroll into coaching training because I was creating this online course um it was around yoga ayurveda and mm. how to discover your true self and one of the lessons of that online course is about how to discover your purpose, how to discover your dharma. And with all the other lessons, um, I do lots of research. I make sure that I'm talking, uh, you know, about yoga and Ayurveda correctly because it, it's not something I made up. It's ancient <laughs> wisdom. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm not talking yeah rubbish really and I, I know a lot of the stuff but just making sure that I'm sharing the right uh, materials with my students so I do yeah. lots of research I read books and I watch videos from my yoga, my own yoga teacher my Ayurveda teacher um, but with this lesson about how to discover your life purpose um, it just I, I usually just write like type or the kind of outline and thing and kind of bit of script and yeah it just like I, I was typing like really naturally it just came all out like I was in flow basically I guess <laughs> um, uh. and yeah I was just typing 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 and a couple of hours I, I, I was done and I, I was happy with it and like oh I really love this um theme I, I really love this subject of like how to discover your life purpose mm. and that's when I thought about oh you know teaching yoga is great teaching Ayurveda is great but it's all more informational uh, spe mm. like especially with Ayurveda I'm just sharing my knowledge and wisdom of Ayurveda yoga is slightly different but I'm still kind of giving instruction how to do yoga poses um, but with coaching, you are more. You like. I feel like I can have more one-to-one, -one like more personal uh, conversation with the client, and mm -hmm. actually like guide them through how they can discover their life purpose and how they can fulfill their life purpose. And to me, it's something that's really fulfilling and rewarding. And and I always liked this one-to-one -one setting like what we are doing now like having one-to-one -one deep conversation you you know this about me right yeah <laughs> I, I, I yeah I'm not really a big group person I always yeah. like having deep conversation with someone um yeah so that's how I decided to enroll into coaching training so I can like properly properly trained as a coach 
Um, and the reason I'm sharing this because that's how I um, got this idea about creating this podcast. Yeah. And one of the reasons the theme of this journey podcast is to talk to diverse group of people and for them to share their own journey about how they got into, you know, how they arrive into where, what are they doing now is I like as I was growing up um, as a young girl and throughout my 20s and even kind of now as well, like I always struggle to find someone who I could like really admire or look up to like a role model especially when I was young I really struggled with that and when I was developing my career um, I didn't have mentor or anyone was like mainly because I couldn't find anyone that would that I could resonate or relate to Um, so this is why I'm really passionate about bringing people from different background, different race, um, different educational background, different passion. So hopefully, like, if someone listened to, you know, my podcast, they can relate to at least one, one of the guests, you know, at least, Uh, hopefully more. But like, yeah, so that's, that's why I'm really passionate about, like, really reaching out to, you know, diverse group of people for my podcast. So, yeah, that's why I decided to create this podcast. But then, yeah, I so I had this idea early this year and it took me a few months to actually, yeah, <laughs> reach out to people and <laughs> <laughs> and book interviews um, because I was just like playing with this idea. Like I was so excited about it and I was telling Michael, my partner, about it like almost every day. Like, oh, this is my idea. <laughs> so excited. But like to actually take action, like it took me months to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like most things in life. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really and I have to say, because I have listened to quite a few episodes now myself, including mine, which was vaguely embarrassing. But <laughs> I I would agree with you that all the voices that I've heard, um, I think was it Arvin, the first uh the vegan restaurant owner that was really interesting to me because you know a i'm not a vegan uh and b i wouldn't even know where to start when it came to opening a restaurant let alone a vegan restaurant so to hear about him and his background was was great and then i think i listened to i'm really bad god this is terrible i've forgotten her name but the film victoria Victoria, Mm -hmm. i thought her her story was absolutely fascinating because you know for me hearing about uh, a young woman literally didn't know anyone and I guess similar to your background there um, coming into a new country and just being really successful in what she's chosen to pursue but then things that resonated for me all the misogyny that she's faced from guys not like me but you know the sexism and all and and you know just being catcalled on the street it was really heartbreaking, but really good to hear because I think the more these stories are shared, um, the better off everything will be. Um, mm. So, yeah, so I would say this is a really inclusive podcast. I've heard loads of different voices so far and I hope long may it continue. So thank you for giving us a little bit more insight into why you've decided to do it. Um, right. I'm I'm nosy. I'm a writer, so I'm nosy about people in general as you can probably tell from some of the questions I've 
you know, sent you to prepare. But um, <laughs> I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball to start with, because can you explain, and I, I'm please correct me if I've mispronounced this, I, I, did you say it's Ayurveda yoga? Mm-hmm. Ayurveda. Consider I'm a complete dumbass, and maybe some listeners who are listening to this might not know anything about it. What is Ayurveda yoga? How is it different to other forms of yoga? So Ayurveda is sister sciences to yoga. It originated in India 5,000 years ago. That's what most people say. And so yoga is more of a, you can kind of say, as a tools or like practices to heal your mind, body and soul. And whereas Ayurveda is more around diet, lifestyle, and also mm. Ayurvedic kind of medicine as well, like herbs and different kind of Ayurvedic medicines to heal your body, your mind, mm. and your soul. So they kind of go hand in hand because you can have the best diet and lifestyle but if you if you're not uh, moving your body for example which is one of the yoga is yoga asana which is movement or if you're not sitting in silence which is meditation um, which is also yoga as well or if mm. you're not breathing properly um, yeah you're not going to be able to um, heal your body or you're not going to be able to maintain that physical mental health properly so like it's it's a holistic um approach mm. basically so ayurveda yeah you you want to think like ayurveda is more around diet and lifestyle and yoga is mm. more around all these tools and techniques so like meditation pranayama which is breath work and yoga physical practice um but then there's also um kind of philosophy as well so yoga mm. and ayurvedic philosophy around how it's uh, it's called right living so there in yoga there are like five uh yamas and yamas and they're like uh what do you call it it's a uh, principles you know like the the right way to live your life so like things you should be doing like non-harming so not harming others yourself uh animals or for example, other ones like things like being clean, like cleanliness is yeah. one of the yamas. Um, so, yeah, it's also about I might, how... I might fail the yamas a bit on the cleanliness. I'm forever being told off. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> dirty. It's, it's, I'm not dirty. A... <laughs> I'm messy. <laughs> it's more of like purification. So, like, yeah, cleansing your body, environment, that kind of thing. But, yeah, oh, there, okay. there are like yeah. different like principles that you kind of live by as well so that's like more of a philosophy side so yeah it's a holistic like way of living your life um so this is why i'm um, i love working with both yoga and ayurveda and using the tools and practices from both um yeah both yoga and ayurveda and share that with the world really (laughs) so and yeah, then your kind of question on Ayurveda yoga. So in Ayurveda, uh, there are three doshas. We call it doshas, but it's more it's called it's it's a bit like mind body type. So 
each person have a combination of those those three doshas or mind body type. Uh, they are vata, pizza, and kapha. If you go and see Ayurvedic doctor or Ayurvedic practitioner, which I am not, I'm not an Ayurvedic practitioner. I see myself as an Ayurveda teacher, so sharing mm. knowledge. So Ayurvedic practitioner, they will do assessment. So they'll ask loads of questions around your physical, your mental health, spiritual mm. as well. And they kind of assess you. So you have this uh, vata. So you, you have more vata imbalances or you have more pizza imbalances. So, yeah, so that's how Ayurvedic practitioner would work with clients. And they will kind of prescribe different halves, different uh, Ayurvedic practices, yoga practices. So Ayurveda yoga is practicing yoga according to your mind body type dosha imbalances or to so balance dif different from person to person yeah so from for example like vata type they uh, tend to be more anxious and fearful person uh, if you're looking at kind of their mental um, mental health and physically they can be quite slim and mm they need to like strengthen their body a little bit more because their muscles are not well developed for example so like the yoga practice that you can kind of um, provide to those people can be like more of a strengthening yoga practices but also make sure that um, their practice involve more of a grounding calming Mm. relaxation as well because you don't want to stimulate them too much otherwise they're going to be more anxious and yeah. so yeah that's ayurveda yoga that sounds like a yoga i should try i was listening to you talking <laughs> about yeah the anxious people are usually slim i was like mm, looking at myself and they're quite anxious mm, looking at myself um that yeah i've done yoga before but and i know there are lots of different types but i've never really i've never really sat down to think about what each different type means or can mm -hmm. can help with um i have tried meditation and i have found that useful especially over the past few years because my mind is constantly racing uh but yeah i'm beginning to think maybe i should do a bit more strengthening for the yoga as well so um thank you that's really interesting because i had no idea <laughs> so, yeah um, yeah so like understanding your body and like your mind is so yeah. important so from these assessments like you can kind of start to recognize kind of your tendencies and your imbalances and then you can so if you're a yoga teacher it's, it's quite easy to kind of know like oh what what sort of yoga poses or meditation I need to do to balance that. I could talk, just ask you loads of questions just about yoga, but I don't worry. <laughs> I, I know I've got more. I want to, I just want to know everything. And I'm really curious. Um, can you tell me more about your background growing up in Japan and then moving to England when you were very, very young? Because I was curious, because we have spoken about it before, but do you ever miss Japan? You know, do you do you miss your parents? They might sound like silly questions, but you've you've obviously lived in this country for so long now. Would you even still consider yourself Japanese? 
Yes, I definitely think myself as Japanese, <laughs> even I, yeah, I, I think I'm definitely westernized.、Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I still kind of see myself as Japanese for sure. And I, I really respect my culture as well. And there's a lot of things that I love about Japanese culture. And、Me、there's <laughs> also a lot of things that I don't agree and I、mm. don't think I can yeah, follow, I guess. But yeah, so I was born in Japan and I was living in Japan until I was nine years old. So my parents decided a few years prior because I have an older brother and he、yeah. also came to UK when he was nine. So he's three years older than me. Um, so it, it's been like my、um, destiny was already decided, maybe <laughs> like when I was like seven, no, six.、Um, wow. That I, I was meant to come to UK to, and go to this alternative boarding school called Summerhill School. Yeah. So I, I, I knew as like as young as probably like six or seven that I will be, you know, coming to UK when I'm nine. So I'm kind of prepared myself. For that.、Um, How do you prepare yourself for that when you're six? I mean, I could barely, you know, tie my own shoes when I was six. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not prepare myself as in, like, I don't know.、Um, so, like, I, I knew that I'm not going to be finishing school in Japan. And I knew that,、um, I guess, I knew there's the kind of Curriculum in UK would be different.、Yeah. So, like for me, like I was quite conscious that I'm going to learn as much as I can in Japan. And, and also, like I was going to English school, in, yeah, English lessons.、Um, it was more for American English, but yeah, English classes. We'll forgive that. <laughs>、um, <laughs> which I, I don't think I've learned huge amounts. I mean, I couldn't speak English at all when I came to UK, but still kind of helped,、uh, I guess.、Yeah. And I knew that the friends I made at school, that、I'm, it's not going to be a permanent thing. So I, thought, I guess, like in my mind as a young girl, I knew that nothing's going to be kind of permanent.、Um, yeah. Like the things that's going on in my life is not going to be permanent. There will be change coming. Um, so that's, that's like what, how I kind of say as preparing myself mentally. <laughs> wow. You've just raised a really good point. You said you felt that mentally prepared you.、I'm、trying to think of the word impermanence. Like you're so used to things changing that it, change doesn't really frighten you or scare you like it might other people.、Mm, yes, that's a really great question because. I don't mind change at all.、Mm. I know some people really struggle with that, and my partner Michael struggles with that. a n d like me, like, oh, I love change, you know, I don't like it. And he's like, oh, I don't like change.、Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, okay, I, I'm at boarding school, like、mm. from nine years old, so I haven't really lived with my parents, but、yeah. every holiday I do, like, Have to go back to Japan because the school closes every 
uh, holiday. Yeah, like Easter holiday, Easter break, summer holiday, and Christmas holiday. I'll have、yeah. to fly back to Japan. So that's like another change. You know, like flying back and forth, so like、wow. six times a year, basically. And you know, living in Japan. Yes, I know. <laughs> It's so not environmentally friendly if you yeah, think about well, it. But, yeah, we're not going to criticize anyone for that at the moment.、So. <laughs> but yeah, so like living in Japan and living in UK is completely different. Yeah. Thing you know,、um, and living in boarding school is another. You know, <laughs> again, talk about it forever. All my experiences in Summerhill School, but. That's and you know that's change happening like three times a year. Yeah. So I think that's how I got used to change because like also there's like nine hour time difference between Japan and England, so experiencing、yep. that like multiple times a year.、Uh, food difference.、Um, jet lag. Jet lag, yeah, and just the whole environment is different. So like having to adapt that like multiple times a year is. Yeah, something I got used to, and so yeah, I think that's why I'm always quite happy, and I'm really adaptable as well with everything. So、like、nothing phases you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess you know, as I grow older, I and you know, you kind of find this comfortable place in your life, and I think I'm starting to feel like, oh, I, I'm. Really comfortable here, so I'm quite happy here. I don't need to change, but yeah. I, I... <laughs> Does that frighten you? The fact that you're beginning to feel comfortable? No, I don't think that frightened me or anything like that. I I feel good that I found this comfortable place. Maybe so it's more of a yeah, like joy for me that you know. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense, and thank you for elaborating. Because, again, I'm just because I don't have that experience, and、uh, you know, I want I I'm always curious to know people's backgrounds. Anyways, again, part of my job is talking to people and finding out as much as I can about them, probably more than they want to tell me. So, and I think it's fascinating. Okay, following up from. What you've just told me about not being afraid of change, and because of the way you grew up, that's just pretty normal to you. How do you think that's affected people's perceptions of who you are when they meet you, if at all? I don't know if that changed anything. I know that some of my friends, because in my twenties, I change jobs quite a lot. My friends. Used to often tell me like, "Oh, you always change your jobs," and so like, I guess like I can't do same thing for a long time, and I'm always itching to do something else. And I yeah, I just wonder if that's something to do with like always having this you know change as、no、I was、life. growing up. Yeah, definitely, I get bored if I'm doing one thing for a long time. Especially with my, my job. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Also, like, gets very bored if she's doing one thing for too、mm. long. <laughs> yes, and yeah, I like to be learning all the time. If I stop learning, or if the job's learning period is 
ended when you start a new job you're constantly learning but yeah. once I've learned everything there's nothing else to learn I get bored <laughs> yeah no I'm the same uh I think that's why I enjoy writing because there's always mm. something new to learn in my profession there's so many different techniques tools that you can use and different styles and I think yeah yeah I get I I'm not as bad as you sorry that sounds awful I'm not I don't get <laughs> I don't think I get as bored with things as quickly as perhaps you the way you describe or the way my wife describes but um if I'm doing one thing for too long I definitely start to get a little bit itchy especially if mm. I'm not learning so that's that's really interesting thank you for sharing that um just a bit of a follow-up on that what do you think there's anything that people misunderstand about you when they first meet you and I, and I say this from look I'm a, a white privileged man you are uh, a Japanese uh, professional who's living in this country and one thing I've noticed particularly in the past well, since 2016 if I'm honest um, is an uprise in racism and you know anti anti-immigration rhetoric um, which is absolutely ridiculous in my view because the whole world is built on immigration do you think your background puts you at a disadvantage here in any way shape or form um in terms of meeting people and i, I think yeah in terms of meeting people like in a kind of social environment um, if, if yeah, if I say I'm from Japan, um, I always feel really privileged that people always show interest in my mm. home country. And you know, if I say, oh, I'm from Japan, and they say, oh, I always want to go. You know, I always wanted to go to Japan. Oh, I've been to Japan, and like that conversation <laughs> starts from there. I know, <laughs> and yeah, and I, I always feel so happy that like all oh, people show you know huge interest in my home country, and they're interested, genuinely interested. They love the culture. Um, so I think yeah, social environment, um, like how they see me, and once I say I'm from Japan um yeah like I don't feel like there's any you know nasty racism going on in a conversation yeah um but Which, I think it, this proves to me that I think a lot of the stuff we hear in mass media is not false but maybe overstated mm, yes but then as I guess work environment for example or like when I was like when I was looking for jobs um like new job in my 20s I always really hated my name really? <laughs> now they do like blind shortlisting and things but back then you know you put your name on your CV your application and I, I don't know somehow it's it's not like someone ever said to me or anything but like in my mind I always hated my name because it's blatantly it's not English western name so yeah. they can see that I'm not English um, and I always felt like, oh, because I, you know, I used to apply for so many, so many jobs and I never get response. So I kind of thought like, oh, is it my name? Is it because I'm not Western and yeah. because I'm foreigner? So that's kind of, yeah, really got me, you know, when I was in my 20s, because obviously I wanted to 
you know, get a good job that I'm interested in, but I was rejected so many times. Do you think those mm -hmm. attitudes in the workplace have changed from when you were in your 20s to where you are now? Yeah, so I guess then in my 30s, I don't really think about that much because I know a lot of organisations now do blind uh, shortlisting yeah. and and where I work they do blind shortlisting as well so yeah I haven't really thought about that you know in past 10 years or so but yeah definitely in my 20s um, really hated my name <laughs> oh. and, and and to be honest my I, I don't know if you know this but my first name Risa is short for so my full first name is Lisa Ko. Risa Ko. Yeah R-I-S-A-K-O but yeah I, I just share just Risa and yeah because it's easier to say and and I, I know the fact that you know a lot of Asian um East Asians like Korean people Chinese people use um Western names as well Short first names yeah. um and in Japan we don't really do that at all but yeah I I, I just want it to fit in or like you know not having to um repeat how to pronounce my first names <laughs> with me yeah. or like even answering the phone at work like I don't I, I don't I never say my full name uh as in like Risa Kawamoto I would just say Risa speaking because I just hate pronouncing my surname wow. and no one's gonna yeah understand it anyway that's what that's what my you know mind think my head think but it might not be true then yeah I guess then work environment I know that you know my colleagues often think I'm shy and quiet um, and I don't know whether because they know I'm from Japan and I know Japanese people tend to be quite quiet shy and softly spoken or... do you think that's a stereotype because when I went to Japan mm. I, I was yeah people were really polite but they did talk to me, especially mm. there was a guy I met, um, we met in uh, Kyoto, uh, it's one of the train stations, I can't remember which one, but he heard me speaking to my wife and he was an English teacher. So he wanted to come over and show, take a photo with us you know, <laughs> to show his students, look, I've met real English people and here's me speaking to them. And he wasn't shy at all. I, I, you know, we probably chatted for about 20 minutes all in. Mm. So I wonder, do you think that's a stereotype that Japanese people are polite and shy? Because I wasn't so sure. Yeah, I, I do think it's a stereotype. I think that's what a lot of people tend to think, I feel. Mm. Um, definitely like quiet, um, not really outspoken and really polite is, yeah, another thing I hear a lot. Uh, which is good then. I, I'm quite happy with the polite bit because, you know, I like to be polite. <laughs> Same, where but, possible. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, uh, like people thinking me quiet and shy or that's sometimes I feel, uh, yeah, I guess because I'm introverted, so I'm not mm. really good in a big group maybe. And I kind of tend to keep quiet if somebody else is talking loudly and in a group and yeah but I, I I don't really see myself as shy and quiet and yeah I, I don't know why I, I don't but... see you that way either <laughs> but you know it's it's interesting to to hear your perspective on it though 
especially having been to Japan and seeing people in, in, in a different environment. And yeah, there's obviously the language barrier because my Japanese sucked beyond belief. I tried. Um, I discovered uh, when when we were learning, it was the second hardest language for an English speaker to learn after Mandarin. So I felt quite proud. I was able to at least say a few things and, you know, say hello, thank you and and ask someone how they were, which I, I got generally good responses to. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the same in any country you go to where you bother to, to yeah. try and learn yeah. some of the local culture and language. But I do. I did find that stereotype not to be quite true because especially in the arcades in Tokyo which I'm a big fan of listeners video games are my thing so going to Tokyo was like I'd entered heaven um <laughs> and uh it, it you know these these were not shy people at all <laughs> they were not shy um thank you that's fascinating do you, oh one thing on one final thing I to think about do you think there is a difference to living in London as someone from another country compared to other places in the UK? Well, I haven't really lived outside of London except when I was in the boarding school, the school, school yeah. and that was in Suffolk in a little town called Leyson, and that was a really small town. <laughs> but but it, it was kind of different experience because I was in a boarding school. Um, okay. But um, but yeah, I think one thing that I I do like to move out of London one day, um, to live in a kind of more yeah more remote, <laughs> less less city, um, less people, <laughs> less, less people, bigger house, bigger garden. Yeah. <laughs> that's my dream. But one thing that worries me is whether I fit in to the mm. community and whether yeah whether yeah like I I I love London because it's diverse um so and I've been living in London since I was 16 17 so I'm so used to seeing people from different background different country and different language and and that's like why I love meeting new people in London because you never meet like you know English people (laughs) it's always from other country (laughs) um I must have been one of the few. Yes, I I grew up in London. (laughs) It's so rare to meet someone actually um, was born in London and grew up in London. In London, yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I love it when I meet you know like you you know London born, Um, but also (laughs) don't live there anymore. But similar reason for you just described wanting to get out more to remote area I wouldn't say where I live is remote but I, I understand the reasoning yeah so yeah that's what worries me so yeah to and I, I don't know where I want to move mm. and where would be good where would be diverse and interesting you know where I can meet interesting people yeah well that's really interesting and fascinating to hear especially just the perspective alone is always great I might steal it for a story, <laughs> just to warn you. Please do. <laughs> you are a one-to-one coach, um, and I believe you your coaching program, which you've referenced before, Pathway to Dharma, and I'm quoting direct from the website here, this program is for purpose-driven individuals who want to live more intentionally and consciously and according to their true self and their true purpose. So, I'm going to do a little bit of a weird thing here, but what does that mean to someone like me 
who perhaps sees a lot of coaching offers and I get completely confused over which one to pick. Uh, there's so many out there and they're all offering, you know, I will help you achieve X, Y, Z. And as someone similarly who works a lot by himself, that's the nature of my job, as well as that's why I love talking to people. What does your coaching program offer that I might not be able to get elsewhere? You get me. <laughs> there's only the one best reason. answer ever. <laughs> because yeah coaching you know like you mentioned about therapies in your episode about like Mm. you know it's about relationships so you know one therapist might not be you know you you might not click with one therapist so you have to like kind of continue searching until you meet the right therapist for you so I see coaching is the same thing so it's about relationship um it's is and coaching is more of a partnership as well so there's no like hierarchy I, I guess like with therapy I see there's a little oh, bit of hierarchy there yeah. um but with coaching there's no hierarchy there is partnership so you really want to find the right coach for you I could say okay I'm a yoga teacher as well I also teach Ayurveda but you know there's other people who do similar offering as I do as well. Of course, there's a quote, life coach and yoga teacher out there who's doing, who's offering coaching program. So like the only thing I can say to people is like, you need to find the right coach for you. So if, mm. yeah, if I say, if there's any unique thing in my program, it's me. Uh, it's how I approach to coaching. It's the way I talk or I listen to you. So yeah. That's what I would say about that question. <laughs> that is the best answer ever. <laughs> What's unique? It's me. <laughs> it's all about me. I love it. And yeah, I guess I'm going to steal that for a story idea as well. I think that's that's wonderful um, because it really rings true. So you mentioned earlier that you didn't really have any role models growing up. Um, you've never really felt like there was anyone you could look up to to use as a mentor or a guidepost. Has that changed? You know, do you think there are now people in your life that make you feel inspired or make you like who you are, you know, make you want to achieve more? Or is that still all just Risa? I mean, you inspire me. <laughs> okay, let's uh, not do this because I'm just going <laughs> to um, vomit or go red. <laughs> it's a compliment. Yeah, you have on. to learn I'll how take to compliments. say thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you um, inspire me. And that's the end of the loving. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I do still struggle to find the right mentor for me, right coach for me. I've been searching for a coach um, because as a coach, I like to get coached as well, because that's how you learn mm. as well as a coach. So I want to find a coach who can, you know, who I can have, you know, a session once a month or something. But yeah, I find it really challenging to find the right person um, yeah. and also mentor. Like I really struggle to find a business mentor that understands my values, my business and like my goals. And yeah, so I, I do struggle in that. Yeah, still, I guess. Do you think there's an I mean, obviously, apart from me, but. <laughs> 
there must be other people in your life uh, just listening to the interviews you've done and it, uh, across your podcast that makes me think there must be other people in Risa must know other people that make her feel inspired or like her best self or want to do better yeah I mean like in terms of like inspiration yes like all my guests you know they've been mm. really inspirational and I, I love having conversation with them and I was like really inspired by you know listening to their journey um and obviously my partner you know he does inspire <laughs> me in in different ways <laughs> even though he doesn't like change <laughs> yes um <laughs> and yeah my friends as well but I guess like in terms of like role model because I know some people often say, oh, my parents, my father or my mother or my grandparents. And I don't have that. You don't have that. So I always think I hope your they, mom and dad aren't listening to this. They won't understand English. <laughs> 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 Unless, I don't know, they get translator. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love my parents. But yeah, I, I can't say that they've been my role model mr and mrs Carmito, if you're listening there's no offense intended um you know your daughter is wonderful so you've done something right there so uh, <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> just covering ourselves a little bit so. i have uh, i have a couple more questions that i'd like to get to because obviously we're running a little bit out of time um i've heard a lot of talk especially in the past two years, probably. And I'm, I'm guessing that we've spoken about it. Uh, you've heard it a lot, too. People have started talking a lot about, you know, being authentic in their lives, being authentic at work. And yet I still feel, you know, yes, we need to be authentic, be ourselves, be who we are. But in a professional environment, I always check myself like can I bring my whole self to work I was just curious on your thoughts what does being authentic at work mean to you it depends you know like who you are talking to I guess I mean I, I don't swear or anything but like yeah if I was swearing I don't think I'd be swearing you know in a professional meeting with clients for mm. example um even that's myself you know if I always friend in any conversation with people then that kind of consider as authentic self but yeah, yeah in a professional environment uh, probably not um but I always kind of see it as like I and that's kind of one of the yoga philosophies as well but making sure that whatever I do or say it's not harming anyone yeah um so making sure that I'm not reacting to what other people saying or doing and just step back and just watch what you say or do so yeah I think that's how I kind of bring authentic self to work no no I need to practice that a bit more myself I have been guilty and I've been called up on it of swearing sometimes during the meeting that I probably shouldn't have sworn at so I've worked really hard not to do that <laughs> I have found though that, that there's uh, colleagues of mine that I've worked with especially I was at a convention recently and the environment it was a work environment but it was slightly different so people felt some people not all people felt more comfortable throwing in a 
a swear word here or there, which I found, I always find it interesting to hear that and to hear different people's perspectives. Because I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think I can bring my full self to work in a professional environment because my full self might not always be appropriate for that environment or I might like you said I don't want to hurt anyone accidentally even without meaning to um it's really interesting uh, and I hope the listeners find that interesting as well because I think sometimes we talk about authenticity at work but no one actually explains it in more detail and what it might mean mm. so thank you very much okay bit more of a fun question <laughs> Let's say, I mean, the world's pretty, you know, if you listen to the news, which I'm trying very hard not to, it's all doom and gloom, you know, climate breakdown, uh, war, etc, etc. But I always retain a sense of optimism about the future. Uh, Part of my job, again, uh, making up stories. Um, If in 50 years or less, civilization as we know it, collapses and all that is left is a book about your life, what would the title be and what would the blurb tell us about Risa? <laughs> I love this question and I, I, I saw that question because you sent me a list of questions <laughs> uh, like a few hours before. <laughs> yeah, not, not the week before, uh, which I should have done. <laughs> no, that's fine. But yeah so i don't i I can't tell you like exact title or blob but i would sorry could be the journey yeah i was thinking the journey well it would be the journey but then there's subtitle obviously but yeah (laughs) i I, I can't tell you that right now i have to think okay that's all right Yeah, but I was thinking like I'll, I'll be I, I love to write a book, actually. And this is something that, um, yeah, I've always wanted to do when I was Excellent. young. <laughs> to we be need authors. We always yeah. need more authors. Yeah, I will always wanted to write and I always loved writing. And poor my dad, I used to write like, yeah, short story about thing and I used to uh, it's like handwritten you know back then <laughs> um, and like I bring it to my dad I'm like I wrote a story can you read it and let me know what you think and poor dad he's not like you know he, he doesn't read books <laughs> <laughs> and yeah he had to read I don't know whether he read I can't remember his feedback or anything but yeah I always wanted to write I loved writing but yeah that's kind of dream um, didn't quite happen because I came to UK so like my Japanese is not perfect and my English is not my first language so it's not perfect so I kind of gave up mm. on writing and that's how I kind of chose photography to study at college but yeah anyway so I if, if I want to write a book one day and I want the book to be like about my experience in a boarding school summer hill school because there's yeah. like lot I can share which is quite entertaining as well Um, (laughs) and yeah Michael knows quite a lot of story about it but yeah I I can (laughs) I'm sure I can write (laughs) I'm sure I can write a whole book about my experience and and also like it's I want to make it entertaining but I also want to share my learnings and what what I've learned from it and what I like how it impacts you know impacted me yeah so that would be the book (laughs) 
I would read that and probably buy it and read it. I wouldn't just get it out from the library. So can you can you write that? <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, to be honest, I started years ago. Um, but I was thinking to write and maybe I should talk to you about Talk to you about this my idea yeah I think you should maybe not maybe you can talk here if you want I'm happy to <laughs> to listen no well like my idea is like whether to kind of make it so like obviously I would be the kind of main character right yeah but like well like but I'm talking as it's like a story does that make so like fictional story yep. but it's actually like based it's like, yeah I guess like based on we, true uh, events or something like that. Excellent phrase, inspired by real life events or true yes. events. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I was... know why I did the air quotes there. That is actually <laughs> what we would write. So yeah, so that was kind of my idea, and I kind of started years and years ago. I think I was like in my early twenties. But yeah, I I don't know where's that gone now. But yeah, I do love to write that one day. I love writers because I am one. So please, <laughs> please write that book. You know, we need we need more stories in the world. I'm a big believer in in storytelling. I think it's the way we all communicate at our core. Um, we tell each other stories. You know, we've oh. done it since we first learned to pick up like a stone in a cave and we started drawing on walls. You know, anyone who like no offense to your dad, but, you know, I can't. I, I find it difficult to get into the mind of someone who doesn't enjoy reading uh, or trying to tell a story because like parents tell stories to their kids, you know, mm. even if it you know makes stuff up. That's how we progress, I believe, mm. as a species. So, yeah, storytellers, bring them on more, 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 <laughs> more, more. So and I would read that book, particularly because oh, you told me you. a little bit about Summerhill. You haven't gone into detail, so. Yeah, no spoilers. Write the book and I will buy yeah. it and read it. <clears throat> Yay. <laughs> yeah, I've got damn one right. customer here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I promise just a few more questions and then we'll wrap up because otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, we'll be here for years and years and years. We don't have years. <laughs> okay. So you, you, you're doing a lot of teaching. I'm going to try and blend two questions into one here uh, to mm -hmm. save time. So when you're coaching or you're yoga teaching or maybe both, um, do you have any clients that have influenced the way you teach or uh, did a client do something and or did a client do something that you didn't quite expect during your coaching session or your yoga sessions? Yeah, I had to think about that one. Um, so one thing that I feel quite surprised about myself is I'm a really impatient person. <laughs> are you about to I tell don't... me you're the world's worst teacher or something <laughs> um, so I'm always really surprised when my yoga students or my coaching clients say like um you're a very patient coach or patient <laughs> teacher and your yoga class is so calming and so peaceful I'm, I'm really happy and pleased to hear that but like I should really do that for myself more you know <laughs> to be more patient with myself so that oh. is kind of a greatest learnings from my students and my coaching clients so you're quite patient with other people but you're not patient with yourself sounds like it yeah yeah <laughs> 
Uh, what, why, why do you think that? Because I would agree with your clients. I would say you're one of the most kind and you, you listen a lot. And I'd say you're very patient with people. That's how that's how you get them to tell you all their secrets. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of, you know, things I was saying earlier about how I get bored easily and or like I want to move forward quickly. And yeah like I'm really impatient in that way yeah I've always been like this and yeah that's me <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah it's, that's fine <laughs> but it, it, it's so interesting to hear other people's past perspective because yeah. they seem to think that I'm really kind which is nice to hear obviously but <laughs> and you're not <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to think I am <laughs> Um, <laughs> Does Risa yeah. have a dark side? <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. I was definitely, yeah, like had dark sides when I was growing up and in my twenties for sure. Mm. And definitely, yoga helped so much in how I see myself, see others, see the world, which has been amazing. Yeah, the greatest learnings from my students and clients are yeah be patient and be more kind <laughs> to yourself you've just answered my next question my next to last question which was if you had one piece of advice to give people who are struggling in their professional or personal life what would it be and I think you've just answered that mm, yes yeah mm. be patient um yeah don't be like me trying to move so you heard fast. it here don't don't be like Risa don't be like Risa <laughs> no I'm, yeah <laughs> be patient be kind I think those are two uh, the world needs both those lessons um it's lovely to hear someone say it as well okay um oh this is a bit of a naughty one and I promise this is our last time you can edit it out if you want this is controversial but why did you decide to go vegan is it it controversial well I don't know to me it is because like you know me I'm a I'm still a meat eater um I know we've talked long 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 about the benefits of being vegan um but I'm curious for the listeners is you know why why did you go vegan and why would you recommend it why would you Mm. recommend it for people yes so yeah i became vegan fully vegan in 2020 september 2020 so it's been over two years wow congratulations um, i don't know why i'm saying that sorry that's really <laughs> insulting so. no no it's okay we had we had like first year vegan anniversary and second year vegan anniversary in a vegan restaurant arvin's restaurant actually the mm. arvin from the first episode I remember. um but yeah, before before my so both my partner and I became vegan together in 2020, which is really great because yeah, it's always hard to do it just on your own if you yeah. live with your partner. Um, but before that, I was vegetarian for a few years, and I think that's when I became a yoga teacher and I was really into healthy eating and healthy living. And and I was also like trying to live by yoga philosophy as well, non-harming. Yeah, so I was vegetarian for a few, few years. And back then, my partner wasn't vegetarian 
although like meals we cook at home were all vegetarian and when we go out he would have meat <laughs> and <laughs> yeah I would stick to my vegetarian dishes um so that's how he got pleasure <laughs> when we go out. <laughs> um yeah but then I slowly like in- reintroduce fish and seafood back into my diet and they eventually meet. And in 2019, we went to Japan together and I was eating everything. <laughs> um, and I love Japanese food and I-, I love fish and seafood as yeah. well. And and for me, like when I was traveling, I didn't want to restrict myself and I wanted to enjoy the country's food, culture, everything. And yeah, so I was eating everything. And then, yeah, then pandemic happened. We yeah. were in a lockdown. And yeah, we went to Wales together in 2020 summer. And yeah, we were talking a lot about sustainability and how we can be more sustainable and how can we change our lifestyle to become more sustainable and, you know, and yeah, so we decided to become vegan when we came back from uh, from Wales. So wow. yeah, and ever since, um, we, we kind of did it slowly because obviously we still had like for example we had spread which was um cow's milk spread yeah and we had other like yeah other yeah meat in a freezer fish in a freezer or something like that so like we did it slowly but I kind of switched it quite quickly and I kind of let my partner to eat all the meat and because <laughs> when I make a decision I just want to do it properly um whereas my partner was quite happy to gradually yeah he doesn't yeah he's he's less strict than I am (laughs) I have to say does he still (laughs) eat meat when you're not looking oh you have to ask him about that (laughs) hopefully not (laughs) I don't think he does no he's pretty good (laughs) Do you yeah. miss do you miss meat and dairy at all? I don't actually. And well, one of the like main reasons why we decided to become vegan because it was environmental. Yeah. Uh, More environmentally was, friendly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the top reasons. And then ethical reason as well. I love animals. Yeah. And and yeah, after we came back from Wales and um, when we decided to go fully vegan, we watched all these documentaries about um, meat industry, dairy industry, fish industries, and all the all these documentaries. So after watching those documentaries, I just can't face can't eating yeah. meat, fish, seafood anymore. And lucky for me that I'd never really um, been a dairy fan, so I I don't like milk, cow's milk, and I I used to just put a little bit of milk in my coffee and tea. Mm-hmm. And cheese, I, I don't mind eating cheese, but not like Michael, my partner, he loves cheese. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't <laughs> like that. So I, yeah, I, I don't miss cheese, milk and meat. I just can't eat meat anymore after watching those documentaries. Yeah. And I, I kind of miss fish and seafood. But to be fair, we haven't been abroad since 
we became vegan. We've been yeah. going to places in the UK, but not other countries. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure there will be temptation, especially if there's no like vegan op- options in a restaurant or coffee shop. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a bit worrying for me, like, or going back to Japan and... Yeah, you know, I was going to say, they're, to... they're not really vegan there, are they? <laughs> No, it's not really vegan friendly, and it's it's interesting because traditionally Japanese foods were more based, like plant based. Yeah. Uh, we eat lots of beans, tofu, um, but yeah, American influence and European influence. Um, it's all our fault. It yes. is all our fault. Yes. <laughs> I know. Well, um, we have to recognise the effects of colonialisation around the world and the impacts good and bad and that was one of the impacts I think so yeah so you know. yeah so it's like so sadly like lots of the food food that we eat in Japan like either we use fish or like ramen it's which pork. I love by the way yeah I, I, oh. I love it too but yeah like they use pork um as a stock and yeah and lots of things use fish yeah as a stock as well and obviously so sushi nice. is mainly <laughs> fish seafood and yeah it's 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 so great and i love it sorry but, yeah. i'm not trying to tempt you back <laughs> or anything but yeah <laughs> I, i'm sure there's a way to yeah like have plant-based yeah. uh, food in japan so yeah that that would be an my, like our challenge is when yeah. we go abroad like we need to really plan ahead and yeah make sure we bring uh yeah like beans I don't know, like whatever we can bring vegan snacks that kind of thing yeah <laughs> with us um yeah 25 buckets of crisps that aren't yeah. cooked in animal fat so <laughs> uh, uh, no yeah, no I, I I think it's great I, I I do I've said you this but I do admire both of you for just going full in on it um and and not being preachy either because i have noticed with some people who've gone vegan is is they've come round and they and they've basically told me i should do this i should do that and you know we're human beings no one likes being told what to do um even even when it's good for us Mm -hmm. Uh, but you neither of you did that you just were say oh this is what we do now and this is why we think it it benefits our lifestyle and you know, you've always been open and to questions about it, which is why I chucked one in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think with anything, you can't convince anyone to do things. No. So, like, all we can do is to show, like, what we are doing and how it's changing our lives, but also, you know, the planets and yeah, I think that's all we can do. So, like, although I like to tell everyone to go plant-based, that's not what I'm <laughs> going to do or say. And, and you know, and you don't need to go fully vegan. You can uh, do it slowly. I mean, I've done it slowly. I was vegetarian for a few years and went back to eat anything. And, you know, so that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say, like, I would love everyone to watch these documentaries and educate themselves and yeah. then make decision yeah um yeah because that's how we did it as well so do you think though is there a case to be made that it's our farming methods that have gone horribly wrong 
and that there are more sustainable ways of farming animals than perhaps we're doing. But I, I have to say, like, we are still killing animals, innocent animals yeah. as well. Okay. And yeah, and as I think there's, you know, some people say, oh, how about organic uh, chicken or, you know, but we are still killing animals. And there's, and especially in uh, developed countries like UK, yeah. and especially in London, there's so many alternatives that we can eat and and it's hard that, to argue with that yeah and if that can help um less developed countries to you know earn better money or have better jobs and the better climate change yeah, yeah environment um then yeah i think we 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 have this privilege to do so yeah um i agree completely I'm still trying to convince Jess to see if we can give it a go. That's an upward battle, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm still trying to convince myself if I can if I can do it because I think I think I would find it quite tough. I'll be mm. completely honest. Um, like I've I was raised eating meat, fruit, vegetable, everything basically, um, and I was always quite proud of the fact that I can eat anything. But mm. the more I learn about the very unhealthy methods of farming that we've been doing across the planet, particularly in America and China. I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. We're all responsible. But because they're the two biggest net producers of methane just from cattle farming alone mm. and the methane that gets released into the atmosphere has actually a worse effect than all the jet fuel that we spew out when we're flying around the world. Uh, that was an eye opener for me. So, you know, we need definitely need to eat less burgers, people. No one needs to eat steak and burgers every single day. Um, I, but I, where I am, where I can meet people in the middle here is in the middle. I'm quite happy to eat less meat. I'm quite mm. happy to eat less. I don't eat beef. I I haven't eaten beef for eight. I can't even remember because I've never really been. I, I liked it more when I was younger. Now I'm not because it's quite heavy. Mm. Um, so I tend to for certainly in our diet, we tend to eat more chicken, turkey, you know, white, white, healthier meats yeah. for the for the gut as well as for uh, farming. So, yeah, I think there's a case to be made for all of us just to eat less meat. At the very mm. least, we, that would help, I, I believe. I might be wrong, but, you know, based on yeah. what I'm reading. Yes. Rita, <laughs> it's been wonderful speaking with you and listening to your own journey and and also being very kind to agree to let me delve deep into your soul and find out <laughs> what makes you tick and why you are the way you are and where you are. Um, thank you very much is all I can say. I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this. I've certainly enjoyed listening to Risa myself and um I'm sure Risa will put any plugs in the show notes, uh, but you can find Risa's website if you are listening on any of the, uh, it's risakawamoto.com, am I correct? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Excellent. So you can find everything there is to know about Risa's coaching, her yoga teaching, and what she can offer you in your own life at risakawamoto.com. But Risa, thank you once again, and um, I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Thank you. That was so much fun. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Take care all. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. 
I shared quite a lot of things that I've never shared publicly before, so I hope you got to know me a little better. After my conversation with John, I was really inspired to get started with writing a book, so I went on to search for an introduction to writing course, and I'm really pleased to say that I found a day course where I can learn all the basics of writing a novel. I really hope that this episode will encourage those of you who have been wanting to learn new things or follow your dreams to finally take action, even if it's a small step. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I'll see you in the next episode.